onboarding programs. They are absolutely key, just-in-time learning. There are great platforms out there that, that help help with on, onboarding to, uh, to make it repeatable uh, and actually learn and see what's working and what's not. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. All right. Uh, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Thuma, CEO and founder of SaaStock. Uh, delighted uh, to be joined today by Werner Schmidt, uh, who's the CEO and co-founder of Lative. Uh, welcome, Werner. Great. Hi, Alex, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, great to have you on the podcast. Whereabouts are you today? Great. Uh, Alex, I'm actually in Barcelona in Spain. I'm with my co-founder, Lara. Um, so good to be spending some time here with the development team. Oh, very cool. So you're not there on holiday. The, the development team are in Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. So we, we've set up our development team out of Barcelona. That's where my co-founder, yeah, Lada, um is based. And then uh, I'm actually based in Dublin and Ireland. So uh, that's where we, we have our, uh, our sales and um, go-to-market uh, function out of. Very cool. And so, Verna, um, like I mentioned, you're the CEO and co-founder of Lative. Uh, but before we go into a little bit about Lative and maybe the founding story, can you tell us a little bit about who you are uh, as a person? Who is Verna Schmidt? Yes, so so I've uh, been been on a bit of a journey. I've uh, been in you know SaaS businesses for twenty plus years now, uh, mostly uh, Californian uh, software companies. Uh, I, I got you know the opportunity to to work for for some of the fastest growing uh, SaaS companies over my career, and, and predominantly in revenue operations um, and enablement. Uh, so really enabling sales organizations uh, to be more efficient, uh, more effective. Uh, and leveraging, you know, all the technology that's out there to be able to do that. So um, the goal is always, you know, having great and high growth uh, SaaS sales teams. Uh, but also, more importantly, over the last few years, is is uh, efficient uh, and uh, sales teams so that we grow efficiently. Uh, so, so that's really been my, you know, my past uh, two decades. Very cool. Um, so long, long in SaaS, uh, and now running your own SaaS company, uh, and not a, a Californian. Uh, Silicon Valley SaaS company. Um, why did you make the leap? And yeah, what is the what is the founding story of Lative? Yeah, so uh, thanks, Alex. It's it's interesting because you know over my career, it, it, it's always been about you know making sales teams more efficient and how do we do more with less. And uh, but really, that we also come from this period of just just hyper growth, just grow, 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 and you know just hire more salespeople and we'll get to the numbers. And you know there was just it's just the, the nature of of the beast, I suppose, over the last two decades. And that's that started to shift, and and, and I really noticed it. Um, and, and before we found a native in a, a more recent role when I was at Sage, where we, where we would put in all this enablement in, and what we're trying to measure is how do you see what the impact is? How do you see the impact if we deploy Salesforce? And how do you see the impact if we put an expensive onboarding program in um, or a, a, a skills program? And it just brought me back to, you know, you know a long time in, in, in revenue operations and trying to figure out are what we're doing within the organization actually helping and improving productivity? Um, and that that's that led us into into Lative is that, well, how can we measure the impact of productivity in real time? How can we see what we're doing uh, or the decisions that we're making? Um, and when we looked around, we, you know, it was very difficult to find any technology that could do this. And uh, we, we then 
uh, took the leap and said, well, actually, let's build this um, because it was out of pure frustration of, of having to manually do all these calculations um, on, on productivity. Uh, because what's fundamental to this, Alex, is that we've got to build accurate capacity plans. And if we don't understand the productivity and, and be able to see that in real time, then how organizations actually build an accurate sales capacity plans. Um, so that's really how we, you know, we came about, um, you know, taking the big giant leap <laughs> uh, into in, into uh, uh, founding found native and um, um, yeah, did building you, a technology that's going to help organizations. Did you, do you ever have this earnings? Like I was eleven years in sales, selling other people's, um, you know, enterprise software products, and I I had just a moment in time where it's like I don't want to sell other people's products for the rest of my life. I I want to you know sell something that I've built and created. Uh, and that was a real driver uh, for me. Um, was there something kind of similar for you, like this entrepreneurial yearning? Obviously, you identified a problem, but yeah, like, had you always wanted to be like an entrepreneur at some stage, or was it just that, hey, look, we've identified this problem, and you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build it before somebody else does. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was uh, it a great question, Alex. I, you know, I, I go back to my original, you know, when I first started my career, my first job was, you know, running some, I won't believe this, but perfume shops uh, that started from nothing. And um, and I, I think, you know, seeing that, being a, a, you know, a very small entrepreneur then um, of what you could um, create um, and, and then build, um, always excited me, um, and also I, I come from a family that, that are entrepreneurs as well. And um, I think when you know being in corporate for a long time, you get quite quite secure and 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 so forth. So it it, it was a there was definitely a yearning to, to come back to it at some point and, and saw the, this opportunity that, that that would allow us to do it. But also being in organizations for a long time and you you learn a lot. And you realize that actually we could do, you know, we, we'd like to do this um, um, ourselves, but also build our own culture, build our own company um, the way we'd like to see it from what we've learned in our experiences. But also really importantly is that we really are very passionate and believe very strongly about the technology that we build and is really going to help companies, help RevOps leaders like myself that have had to go through this pain for 20 years. Um, and, uh, and, and that was also a big draw card too. So, so a, a bit of both on it. Um, and it just, it, it really all came together that, that allowed us to make those decisions, um, to, to be here talking to you. And, uh, what data can you share behind the company in terms of when you, uh, you know, incorporates where you are now, you, you know, um, revenue, like sort of any sort of metrics, like number of people, like growth rates, have you raised, are you bootstrapped, this sort of thing? Yeah, so yeah, so we start, so I think first off we, we we were bootstrapped at the start. We we got a little small check of a hundred k that actually just allowed us to then prove out can we build the technology to do this because it's really complex. Um, and we, you know when we think about productivity, the return on investment, and how that then feeds a capacity planning model. So so we we got we we then realized actually we do have something here. So so we did go out and we were fortunate enough um, at the beginning of the last year to raise one point five million. Um, it happened quite fast. Um, I think because the, 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 you know, the problem we're solving for is very clear. Everyone knows about it. Uh, it's just, can, can you actually fit, build the technology to do that? So, so that actually allowed us, that, 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 that funding allowed us then to put a development team in place. Um, and that's pretty much what we've been, been focused on. We've been very capital efficient, of course, that we need to be, given what we do. 
um, and and we've we've put our, the majority of our resources into into uh, building the platform out, and 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 really pleased to say out of out of the three modules that we've we, we set out to do, um, we've now got capacity planning live, on top of the return on investment module, um, and on top of the productivity modules, um, and we've put that all into the Salesforce App Exchange, so but people can go trial it and download it um, with not a lot of uh, with very minimal uh, time and a commitment from themselves. So so for our size that that funding has allowed us to get to that our next stage now is to then to, to now really focus on the go-to-market um and uh, of course that's you know and then you know get some salespeople in to help me um you know build out our our, our content and inbound side on the marketing yep. um and all the good stuff that comes with that and so that that's really will be the next phase um of the business so you're doing founder-led sales uh, at the moment Exactly, it's founders led sales at the moment. Um, I've got a, a couple of people helping me with SDR and salesperson, but it's, it's very much um, a very small team focused on it right now. And um, you mentioned Salesforce App Exchange there. Like, uh, I, I guess it makes sense with uh, the um, the business that Lative is. But like, what are they for those that are not on App Exchange? And this, I'm not trying to plug App, App Exchange here, but like, what what is the benefit? What is the value? You know, what value is it brought you sort of like directly? Yes, for us, there's two parts to it, Alex. Is one, we, we, we always know, we, you know, we've, our background as well, especially Lara, um, has been deploying Salesforce into into environments and, um, you know, deployed it three times, Lara deployed it once. So we know the technology really well. Um, and also the way Later works is it, it sits on top of the CRM. So we, we went with Salesforce on the App Exchange just because of the configuration of what we get with at the speed and the real time. Um, and, and also just the ease. What we wanted to do was remove friction from an organization to switch um, later on. And the App Exchange gives us that capability. Um, and also, if you look at where our ICP focus is, is, is uh, a number of those companies are, are around Salesforce. Now, if you're not Salesforce, we, we, we've we've architected later to also be able to, to plug into things like like HubSpot or, or take manual data feeds because we know organizations are set up quite differently, and sometimes there's businesses get acquired and they're on different CRMs. So Lative can connect to the others, but we, we, we are leading with, with, with the app exchange. Um, that certainly gives us the real-time capability, uh, which then makes um, Lative even more valuable. Um, no, thanks for sharing that. And what are like just a, a couple of the biggest lessons that you've learned so far from, you know, incorporation of the business to now um, that you can share with the audience? Yes. So uh, I, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is you, you've got to, you know, when you're a startup, there's a lot of people you can you can listen to and, and get get feedback on, and, and there's always people that want to help. So I, I think it's the first is, is really listen, go out there, find people, talk to people. People have gone through this, um, join you know Alex things like you're doing with Sasstock. We've learned so much from Sasstock, honestly. It it, it opened up um, eyes, but also it opened up a number of relationships that we built at the event, um, and, and events like that, uh, or, or, or channels that you can talk with. Um, you know, LinkedIn is another great one as well. Um, meeting other uh, people in similar situations uh, to get those insights. I think number two, instinct, go with your instinct. Uh, I know it's more saying more from an entrepreneurial side, but but also no one has all the answers. You grow and you learn, and um, especially when you're bringing out a new technology like we've done at Lative, um, there's a lot of education that happens. There's 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 ways that we need to figure out how to how to uh, position uh, Lative because of all that it does, and um, and and at the end, and sometimes you just got to fall back on your instinct to be able to do that, um, and then and then adjust um, and course correct if needed. Um, and then third, prior, prioritization. I know Alex, you know this well, but, but uh, you've got to prioritize. It's it's uh, there's just there's so much to do, and as we've got big, you know, um, bigger and we've grown, 
um, and, and the platform starts to build out, there's just more and more things that need to be done. And you, you get pulled left, right and center. And what I realize is, is what, what can we prioritize that's actually going to make a difference tomorrow? Um, and it is this, this ruthless prioritization that needs to happen. Great lessons there. Um, appreciate you sharing those. And so what we uh, really kind of want to talk about was um, we've seen this big trend, I would say, what is it, maybe the last year, maybe uh, 18 months, about from moving from growth at all costs, which was, you know, the 20 years sort of mantra, uh, to revenue efficiency, right? Um, I, th I think with that revenue efficiency and obviously what, what Lative does, um, that should be a good moment in time, uh, you know, for you guys. But uh, outside of the product, like what is your viewpoint on this movement to revenue efficiency? And, you, you know, what do you think about and mean by revenue efficiency? Yeah, so I think for me, revenue efficiency uh, focuses on, on four core pieces, but, but, but why? And I, I think Alex, what's important is, is we really have come from two decades of growth at all costs. I mean, we've all been in the, in, in positions where it's okay. It really was just, just as high more people. Um, and it's the, 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 almost the basics of accounting almost sometimes we're just forgotten, right? Well, what did that cost? What does it cost to generate what we do in? Um, and, and, and this is, you know, back to this reason why we founded later, it was, it was out of that frustration of not being able to measure what is the actual productivity of what the sales teams generating, because it is so complex. There's so many data movements with salespeople coming and going. So when we think about revenue efficiency, well, revenue efficiency for me is made up of four core components. One is going to be what's the productivity of what the sales team actually generates and what's the average per person over a unit of time. Uh, secondly, we really need to understand what are the ramp times of salespeople, right? So, so how long does it take for a new hire to come on board to then be at the average productivity? Um, and, and because the, if you look, think about enablement functions, the amount of investment that goes into them um, for onboarding programs, for skills programs, and so, and so product training and, and learning and enablement, um, there's a lot of investment from companies into this. So why aren't we measuring it on a, on a daily basis? And that's because, again, it's just so complex to calculate. So that over my career, you know, absolutely productivity. Number two, uh, what, what, what's, what are the ramp times? And then three, leading into return on investment. And this is what I meant by getting back to basics. Um, and that's just being efficient, right? So if we're going to generate $10 million, but if we're going to spend 12, well, that's not a good return on investment. In the past, it didn't matter because it was all growth at all costs. But now that really does matter. And it, it, it always should matter. It just found itself on the sidelines. So again, how do I see what my return on investment is for what I'm generating versus what I'm cost? But not just at a high level. How do I see that across the dimensions within the business? How do I see that against new business, renewal business? How do I see that against verticals maybe or even product lines? You need to be able to see that because ultimately that helps where we invest the next uh, set of dollars. Um, and, that, so, and then that leads into number four, the holy grail, right? Those, the, all those key data points then feed the capacity planning model. How do I now build the capacity planning model that is accurate? And this is what organizations, we know, every organization is doing it, and we've got to do it. And unfortunately, the way it is done today, it's all, all being done manually. Um, and, and that's why we, we, we've, we've got the, a lot of guesswork that's happening, um, because these calculations, as I mentioned, are complex, but they've got to feed a model, and that model looks into the future of what we expect to do. So if, if we've got guessworks and, and, and we've got data that's, that, that's, that's not you know, completely up to date, that tends to lead to these inaccurate capacity plans. And that's why the revenue efficient and building revenue efficient capacity plans is just crucial. And that really is the next stage of where we, we all as, as organizations need to go.
So tell me, like, uh, we've obviously all got sales teams. We want them to be productive. We want to get ROI from them. What are a couple of things that we can do to get, you know, the most ROI from the sales teams that we, we have today? So I, I think, look, it's again, back to those key points on, on revenue efficiency. It, it's being able to look at those in a granular detail, um, understanding what, what teams are more productive than others and look and do I need to pull back some uh, uh, in one area and, and invest in others. Uh, return, I, I think I always, you know, think when, when, when you know, Alex, just thinking about that question, what, what comes immediately to mind is just return on investment, right? If I'm looking at the return on investment and I'm seeing something like the SMB segment's not performing, well, then we, we should be making a decision then to maybe then say, well, let's let's shut down on the SMB segment and let's rather focus on mid-market and enterprise. Um, but if you can't see, have the visibility into that, then it's very difficult to make those decisions. So my advice is really to start looking at that data, even if, you know, just, just get the, you know, figure out what the revenue is, measure it against your dimensions, bring some costs in, your costs into then see your ROI and start to look at that data. Don't look at it once a quarter or once, once a half a year or maybe sometimes even once a year. Uh, a lot of businesses are still doing it. We should be looking at that stuff weekly uh, because what that allows us to do is to start seeing the decisions we're making, what's the impact of those decisions instead of wait until the end of the quarter or wait until um, uh, the, the, the annual plan and exercise. Um, so that's that because, yeah, and I just to end off on that, what, what's really important about it, it's the cost of what it's costing organizations today for not doing anything about it um, because there's a substantial cost when we overhire or underhire uh, the impact of productivity and so forth. Uh, and, and what about in terms of ramp up times, um, you know, for a, a salesperson? Uh, so is there like, I, I guess maybe depending on role, like an industry sort of benchmark? I mean, I, I kind of want to say that, you know, I've, I've seen or heard that you should at least expect maybe like six months to get, you know, salesperson kind of fully ramped. But maybe is that dependent by role? Uh, and uh, another kind of like part to the question then, like, is there what what are the things that we can do to you know speed up that ramp up time um and if somebody is not ramping up within that period is that you just decide okay they're gone and cut them and you have to go again uh what, what are your thoughts around that yeah yeah no, and this is why it's such because there's so much investment from a company into this too uh but onboarding programs they are absolutely key um just in time learning uh they're great platforms out there that, that help help with on on board into uh to make it repeatable uh, and actually learn and see what's working and what's not yeah. but um and but it, but it is key right and and the 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 thing is it's analyzing those onboarding programs down to a granular level so that you know day by day what is happening because like you just said right what's the ramp time six months that's what we need to get to well is it you know is it 180 days is it 100 and 190 days is it 175 days you know we don't a lot of organizations don't really know we just sort of go well it's six months or it's, it's four months and but what should be the ideal number of days to ramp an organ a, a, a salesperson from when they start to average productivity but also we need to look at it by is it new businesses is it renewal businesses at mid-market is an enterprise uh, or, or smb because that also like you say it changes the amount of time that needs to be happened so a lot of focus needs to be put into it so my advice to any organization is really look at your onboarding programs look at it in a very granular detail on a day-by-day basis of what the sales individual is going to go through not only for building a well improving the ramp times but it's also building a great culture because i've seen a lot of times when we you know you bring sales people into the organization at the start and and the onboarding just gets messed up and by that you lose the salesperson and it's so hard to then you know fix things and bring it back so so there needs to be a lot of emphasis put onto this 
um, and, and really being able to measure it at a, at a granular level. Do you think uh, growth at all costs will come back or revenue efficiency is here to stay? Uh, yeah, well, obviously related, we hope revenue efficiency is here to stay because it's good practice and it should just always be being done. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, it, it's the nature of the beast that it will, will start to, to, to probably come back in some shape or form. But I hope it'll be in a far more uh, structured way than what we've we've had to deal with in the past. Uh, because seeing what's happened in the last year and a half and the number of people and they, you know, not just people, but the families and so on being impacted is, it's just, it, it, it's really hard to read it all, all, all sometimes. Um, and I think that's why just as, as us and professionals in in, in businesses, we, we do need to be a far more you know cautious of what we spend versus what we generate, um, being way more um, on top of the decisions that we're making and seeing the impact of they are. And now this technology is be able to be able to do this um, and, and help uh, organisations and remove that guesswork. And that's why I fall back onto that it's really important. And, and I think this will be in the future is that we're always going to build now revenue efficient capacity plans uh, because the data's there. We've got the technology now, and now we just need to start using it. I'm going to move into the quick fire round uh, now, uh, Verna. So what one thing has moved the needle the most for you in your career? Uh, yeah, so two things. Back to listening, always a tough one. But I think delegation. Um, it's always a tough one. Um, you know, it's, it's always easy to do things yourself because you can go faster. But it's not. I think over my career, I, I started to grow when I learned to to, to really delegate, uh, work as a team, uh, listen. Uh, there's, I know there's a few in there, but... Um, but yeah, that, 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 that was the, the big change when, when my, my career started to, 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 to move the needle, started to grow. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, it seems obvious. Not uh, everybody um, you know, does that. The podcast I just recorded just before this, um, I think she mentioned that her first startup failed because they tried to do everything and you know, didn't delegate. Uh, so um, you know, definitely some commonality uh, uh, around uh, that and, and those lessons. Um, what about what about the best advice you've ever received? Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, best advice I ever received? Well, well don't, don't get into the food business. <laughs> so, <laughs> or perfume so business? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or perfume business that didn't work out too well. Lots of good lessons learned. Um, but but um, uh, food business, food goes off. But of course, there's a lot of good we got to eat. Um, Sustain technology, but um, I think that's uh, uh, you know it's stopped me from doing some other things I wanted to do. Um, but but I, I I do think I fall back on this the, this listen piece, right? I, I think it's important. Um, it, it's very easy to to just go and and try to do things on your own. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just I think sometimes entrepreneurs are that way. They just hit strong, let's go, and um, you know we'll figure out as we go. But I, I think there is an opportunity to sit back and just listen. Um, that's that's helped me in my career too, and it's probably the best advice I got. And it's one of, probably one of the hardest things to do as well. Uh, what about biggest failure you've made? Lesson learned? Uh, failure? Um, yeah. So, so I'll go back to that. Not listening. Um, I think we've we've. Um, you know, made some mistakes along along the way of that. Um, but I, I think sometimes you just get caught up um, in what's going on and around you, and and it's hard to sometimes reflect and just take maybe thirty, 30 you know, take uh, you know an hour or two a month just to go back and look at what are we doing? Um, are we are we aligned to what we said we're going to go do? Um, and and are we guided by the principles that we have? Uh, underneath that, be, be it the values, you know, like, like well, we, we've got a lot of now, or even past values in, in past companies. And I think 
by doing that, um, that just helps avoid landing up in situations where you've just gone too far down the line and, and things fail. And I've, I've, I've been, you know, hands up, I've, I've made mistakes where it's, it's caused impact to, to, to organizations and well, because of strategic decisions we've made. Um, and maybe sometimes if we're just taking a step back, reflected on where we were um, as a team, as an organization, um, we may not have landed up where we did. So. What about what's, what do you think uh, the hardest thing about skating in 2023 uh, will be? For, for, well, for, for what we're seeing really is the macro environment. It's, it's, it's not easy. Um, it's not like people open, open their arms to say, let's just put some new tech in. Um, you know, everyone's very cautious on, on, on what's being spent now. Uh, need to be, of course. Um, and and I, I think that's going to take some time. Um, and so, so I, I just don't see that change in, um, you know, very fast in, in, in the near term. But I, I think things will ease off in time, of course. But but for now, twenty three, I think that's the the biggest issue is that and the other the biggest issue and, and really money is expensive now. It's, it's not what we've been used to uh, for so long, and I think it's just it's just the new norm that we've got to get used to. You you mentioned earlier um, in the show that you joined us at Sasok in Dublin last year, and it was a you, you know a helpful event uh, for you. Um, Maybe can you just like share a little bit more? I mean, I thought I'll, I'll just get a seeing as you mentioned it, like uh, dive deeper and a bit get a bit of cheeky cheeky plug because we're probably less than six months away from Sasok in uh, in Dublin. Um, so yeah, what what were some of the things that you you got out of it? Well, Alex, the first thing was just being um, immersed in 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 a environment like that for two days with just you know other SaaS founders, um, other SaaS you know, vendors, companies, the, the investors, um, all networking. The conversations we had were so, were so rich, and and honestly, that 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 after that experience, it was two days. We also had a happy hour in between that, and got a bunch of people together, and, and but everyone was talking so highly. Uh, of the event um, and we, it was just so nice to experience that and be part of it um, there was just so much energy as you got into it I mean the, the hours just flew by um, uh, and, and we actually that's why we signed up to, to Austin and we'll be there in two weeks and we already signed up to Dublin again um, because it is it's just it's, it's so valuable and I, and I think just bringing and not, yeah, not only just bringing everyone together under one roof um, but it's it, it's the content of the uh, of the the speakers um, and the speakers that are there. Um, you're always learning. Uh, I mean, I, I took so many notes and so many photos and videos of slides and so on um, uh, throughout the two days. Uh, and of course, there was the founder piece on the first day actually that we, we did that was really helpful as well. So I know I couldn't I couldn't talk highly enough of it, Alex. And honestly, thank you very much for 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 founding it and and putting it together uh, because it certainly helped us. It's made us better. Um, and, and we're looking forward to be continuing to be part of it, uh, like we're doing. Oh, cool. No, I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, I think you're you're also joining us in uh, Sasok in uh, in Austin in uh, a couple of weeks' time. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see you there uh, uh, as well. Uh, where, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you, Werner? And where can they find Lative? Uh, yes, yeah, so link, LinkedIn, best place for it. Uh, if you can, you can always find me on, on, on LinkedIn, just Werner Schmidt um, um, at, on, on LinkedIn. And, and also, um, of course, uh, just search lative.io at the website or, or, or later on, on, on LinkedIn. And please, it'd be great to get in touch. Um, always want to make new connections and, and network, uh, share stories. Um, and as I mentioned, I want to listen and, and learn. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to connecting you, uh, connecting with, with, um, uh, with people. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much. Well, uh, Werner Schmidt, uh, CEO of Lative, thank you so much for coming on the SaaS Revolution show today, uh, sharing your lessons with the with the SaaSlot community. Really appreciate it. 
Okay, thank you very much, Alex. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.